part of TheFinsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is Matt Kanata, joined by Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Miami Dolphins headed into their Week 17 matchup against the Buffalo Bills. A meaningless game. Stop me if you've heard this before. Week 17 doesn't matter for the Miami Dolphins. The only spot that matters is the draft position. And quite possibly, although on the other hand, quite possibly it could mean something more for Adam Gase and his coaching staff, which we'll get into later in this show. How Sutton, the Miami Dolphins, losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars 17-7. to after losing to the Vikings 41-17, which preceded that was the Miami Miracle, and after that, it's been all downhill since then. It reminds me of Joe Philbin's season when he was here when they claimed Michael Thomas off the 49ers practice squad days before the Patriots game, and he intercepted Tom Brady in the end zone to win the game, and the Dolphins collapsed from there, but Joe Philbin ended up getting an extension, I believe, uh, uh, through another season then ended up getting fired. But here we are, Sutton and Houts. Dolphins football at its best. Oh, hey, Charles Harris got a sack, so we got to be excited. <laughs> Progress, right? Progress. I was just going to say, when you know, when we talked to Zach in the preview show leading up to the Jacksonville game, we knew it was going to be a low-scoring thing. I don't think that we knew that we'd come out and score another opening drive touchdown and then completely disappear the rest of the game. And it was just one of those flat performances that you want to forget as quickly as possible. And, you know, we, we, it's just more proof that we don't have a coach or a player that can really get us out of a big jam. Yeah, I think that's the worst thing about it is just being a Dolphins fan, seeing this happen way too many times. I mean, the t- team started out 3-0 and this year. I mean, injuries aside, everything they've been through, I mean, the way they've played these last two weeks, I think they're starting to mold into what Adam Gase is. Mike Tannenbaum appears to be gone. But, I mean, we just lost to Cody Kessler and Blake Bortles. So, uh, darkness before there's light. You just got to believe that hopefully Stephen Ross can finally get it right, find the GM, and hopefully put these Dolphins where we believe they can be because this just isn't working. You know, let's talk about Mike Tannenbaum and so forth. And I know this is a Dolphins podcast, right? And in terms of Week 17 still in the regular season, supposed to be previewing the game against the Buffalo Bills. But honestly, boys, I'm not sure a lot of our listeners really want to talk about the game against the Buffalo Bills, considering considering how meaningless it is in the overall grand scheme of things. For all intents and purposes, this season is over. Adam Gase said he's not playing the young guys on Sunday, so it's not like we're going to be able to see what this future holds for this team. He is going all out to win, which we're going to touch on. So let's just talk about the general conversation here in terms of the Miami Dolphins. On Christmas evening, I tweeted out uh, several tidbits of information that hours later was confirmed by Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald. And here's where I want to clarify things. None of us, I don't think there's one person out there in the media that knows what Stephen Ross is going to do. I'd be surprised if Stephen Ross fully knew what he was going to do right now. I am sure, obviously, he's leaning in a certain direction, but I'm pretty sure he has not made up his mind 100%. So this information that I'm putting out there that others are putting out there are all educated and informed. I don't want to say guesses because that sounds like we're just throwing stuff in the air, but educated and informed um, conclusions and statements and hypotheses about what the Dolphins are likely going to do moving forward. And here's what I can tell you. He has not let his intentions known publicly or privately for that matter. 
but I am led to believe that he still fully hasn't made up his mind, and Sunday's result does matter for Adam Gase, which is why I believe he is not playing the young guys. A convincing win on Sunday versus the Bills, and he has a decent chance of staying the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Steven Ross wants a reason to keep Adam Gase. Steven Ross loves Adam Gase. He still believes in Adam Gase, but understands the fan support is dwindling for Adam Gase. And at the end of the day, it's about the fans, it's about the customers, and it's about the bottom line. That's why a loss for Adam Gase will put him on life support. It is going to be very hard for Steven Ross to bring Adam Gase back after a blowout loss to the Buffalo Bills. We've heard that Mike Tannenbaum is going to be out regardless of the result. And I tweeted this on Christmas evening. If I had to bet money, I'd bet that Mike Tannenbaum would be out. And it looks like he is. However, there are many complex layers right now that I'm still trying to uncover. But since those tweets, it has kind of gone quiet, gone dark a little bit. But there's still things in play. And those things include a general manager type or a VP of football operations type who may want to come to Miami and want full power. Would Ross then say, no, you're not coming because I want you to keep Greer and Gase? He did this with Joe Philbin and ended up with Dennis Sickey after about 10 guys dropped out of the race. Or will he say, okay, I I see the potential you have to run my organization. I'm going to now take power away from Greer and Gase. Or will the GM that he wants to hire say, I want to pick my own coach? Then what will Gase do? or uh, Ross do. There are also layers in the college world. The Dolphins have their eyes set on a few targets in the college world. It is not known if they want to come to the NFL. I am led to believe the Dolphins suspect they will not come to the NFL and are operating under the assumption that they will not come to the NFL, which is why Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald said in his report that barring an unexpected circumstance, Adam Gase would remain the head coach. One of those unexpected circumstances would be the New York Jets following through on the reported interest on Jim Harbaugh of the University of Michigan. I am led to believe, and I reported this uh, last week or earlier this week, over the weekend I believe, that if Jim Harbaugh was offered a job with the New York Jets and he wants to come back to the NFL, Stephen Ross will not let him go to the Jets or he will do his very best not to let him get to the Jets because he will offer him more money. Ross does not want Harbaugh to leave Michigan. Michigan is Ross's baby. But if he has to be forced to pick, he's going to make sure that Jim Harbaugh ultimately ends up in Miami or at least do whatever he can. I don't know how quickly we'll find out the future of Adam Gase, Chris Greer, after Sunday's game. I know we'll probably find out Mike Tannenbaum's future pretty quickly. But there could be a waiting game in terms of Adam Gase, and we'll have to kind of see how that plays out. And again, it comes down to what GM Ross brings in, what VP of football ops Ross might bring in if he doesn't bring in a GM. Like I said, there is a lot of different layers. One possible layer includes Dan Marino. And how this is where I'm going to let you take over because you have, I don't want to say inside information, but you have some details based on previous reports of what a Dan Marino-led organization may look like. Damn, that was quite the setup. Um, For me, I think a lot of it has to do with, like you said, what they end up doing with Adam Gase, Chris Greer. To me, a familiar face would be Dan Marino, and I know there have been articles. We know he had a stint there in the front office over a decade ago, and, you know, he 
jettisoned after a week. Didn't really want to become that GM or take on that VP role back then, but I think now in his life, the way where he is, I think he had an interview back in June of 2016 where he said, you never know where life might take you. Like, maybe I will become an NFL GM. And I think uh, if given that opportunity to take over as vice president, I think uh, Marino could slide in there, could bring some familiarity, and, you know, maybe put a bandage on the wound that these Dolphin fans want to see healed because – you can't just sell us on Mike Tannenbaum being gone because Adam Gase has been atrocious these last few weeks. Chris Greer, I like his drafts. You really can't argue with what he's done other than, you know, maybe doing a complete clean sweep. But I like what Chris Greer's done. I think a lot of it comes down to Adam Gase and what he does on Sunday because if he goes out there and lays an egg in Jacks, uh, against Buffalo like he did last week in Jacksonville or versus Jacksonville, it's it's going to be ugly. And I think heads are going to spin. And it's going to be interesting to see what Stephen Ross says at the end of that game because you know how they always go up there and you know try to get interviews with the owners immediately after the season's over. It'll be interesting what, interesting to see what he says because, like you said, there's a guy, Lincoln Riley, he's playing at Hard Rock Stadium with a guy, Kyler Murray, who a lot of people are hoping goes to the NFL. Right there, Stephen Ross is going to have a front look at those two individuals, especially Lincoln Riley, who some say could be that college version of a Sean McVay. I mean, you wonder if he's not going to try to lure him to Miami. I think a lot of fans will love that. But, again, it all comes down to what the Dolphins do against Buffalo this weekend, and we'll see where that takes us. And let, let me throw something out there real quick, guys. Uh, and I don't know if I would be the voice of reason here or the Debbie Downer. depends on how you look at it. But why would we be talking about a meaningless Buffalo game as a potential litmus test to keep Adam Gase? I mean, it, wouldn't the, the big picture of the other games that he's coached, wouldn't that kind of – hold way more weight than this game going into Buffalo. I guess I'm not sure what could possibly be gleaned from this game. Uh, you know, he's playing everybody, I guess, but uh, what do we stand to gain information-wise from this game that we don't know already? Yeah, you're right. We kind of already know what Adam Gase is. At least I think the three of us are pretty firm in our belief that, you know, he's going to be a great NFL coach someday, but I just don't know if the time is now, especially in Miami. He gives off too much of that Chip Kelly vibe where he thinks he knows everything. You know, he thinks he's above each individual player. It seems like there's an ego thing there. For me, I like Adam Gase. If you sold me on him coming back another year, you know, maybe throw Marino in there. What are you going to do? Not watch the Dolphins? I don't think anybody would do that. So, I mean, (laughs) I guess you could sell me on that. But overall, I mean, Adam Gase is what he is, just like Ryan Tannehill is what he is. We gave Tannehill seven-plus years. Don't make that same mistake. I think think if – uh, Stephen Ross has an opportunity to go out there and get an experienced head coach. I think you got to do it because Adam Gase is what he is right now. I also think that I don't know. It's it's tough to see why the Dolphins or Stephen Ross would wait till week 17, but but I think he's also just trying to buy some time as well. I think he wants to see if the players play hard for Adam Gase. And then at the same breath, though, it seems like Adam Gase is distancing himself from Ryan Tannehill as quarterback. So, you know, on one hand, it's it's all very confusing, and I don't understand this particular situation. I haven't been able to uncover the reason for Ross wanting to wait till Week 17 to make his final determination. I, I, I just don't get it because Adam Gase said on, you know, Thursday morning that Devontae Parker is playing on Sunday. But if Devontae gets a serious injury and can't play next year, his salary for next year is guaranteed at $9.4 million, and that counts against the salary cap. So on one hand, Ross is putting the future of the organization at stake, and I, and I say that not in terms of the entire team will collapse if, they, if Devontae gets hurt, 
But $9 million is a big chunk of change, and that's a nice size hit to the cap. And to even put Devontae on the field in an absolutely meaningless game in terms of what it means for the actual organization doesn't make sense. But then on the other hand, you can say, well, Adam Gase is under the impression that he has to win on Sunday in order to save his job. Yeah, yeah, So good why point. wouldn't he put Devontae Parker out there? Why good wouldn't point. he play good Ryan point. Tannehill? So, you know, Ross is sending mixed signals here, and it's really just not a good look for the organization because, you know, you don't have a strong front office guy like Mike Tannenbaum to come in because he knows he's on the way out. So he's not going to say, Adam, you need to sit Devontae because we need uh, cap space to be guaranteed for the future. Chris Greer doesn't know his future. So these guys are all trying to save their jobs. While you could be getting a good look at the young guys and see after one game what you possibly might have. It's just backwards and it's messed up. And I don't like yeah, why it's going that, to Sunday. That's why I, I keep going back and forth. Like, which prism do we look at this thing? Because on one hand, you can look at this as simply a professional courtesy that we're not sending out a lame duck coach for his last game that it's not public knowledge that Adam Gase is no longer going to be the Miami Dolphins head coach. That's not how we want to represent ourselves is send out a, a lame duck coach onto the sidelines. At the same time, we have to look at the long-term approach and see what we can gain from this last game. And f- for me personally, we got, we have to play the young guys and see what we have. Anybody whether it's Adam Gase or any other head coach is going to have to look at this roster and see what we have. That's going to be step number one. What do we have? And then where do we need to go? So I don't understand the inability to look at some players that perhaps we have a few question marks on Devonte Parker. I, I don't see where he fits in the long-term picture. So I'm not sure how to factor all this in. If anything, you have to assume <laughs> that Adam Gase is trying to win this game and he's playing Devontae Parker because he's trying to save his job, like you said, MC Money. A lot of, lot of different angles to this. If you're tra- trying to sh- save your job, throwing Devontae Parker out there may not be your best best bet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, gotta, that too. <laughs> I just got to mention that. And so you see this kind of playing out for Week 17 that we talked about Tannenbaum being out and we talked about the future of Adam Gase and Chris Greer being up in the air. And we talked about the possibility of Dan Marino coming in, and that would allow Ross to kind of maintain the consistency of Adam Gase and Chris Greer while kind of building hope for the future in terms of a PR win for the fan base. I do think fans would get excited about Dan Marino coming in. They would see a change at the top. They would get excited. Obviously, I don't think as excited as a full rebuild and a full teardown, which I get the sense that a lot of fans want. And I think at this time it's the right way to do it because you can realistically churn about 50% of your roster going into next year. And with no quarterback, you you kind of want to set it up for that new regime to hitch themselves to a quarterback and do what they have to do to jump up and get a guy like Kyler Murray. Uh, trade up your draft picks. I don't care if it takes this year's one, next year's one, and then a two and a three. Because if you break it down like that, it seems like a lot. But would you trade Charles Harris, right? If you went back to the draft where you took Charles Harris, and even this year as well. Would you trade Charles Harris and guys like Mike Gazicki and, you know, even Minka Fitzpatrick this year? Would you trade those three for a lock potential franchise quarterback in a guy like Kyler Murray? And my answer is an absolute yes. Uh, I don't know what you guys would think about that. I don't want to get too much into the draft right now. 
but just kind of framing it in that sense in terms of hitching yourself to a new regime and letting them do what they have to do, knowing they have a few years to get this team on the right track. We'll definitely hit on this subject at nauseum, perhaps, over the offseason. But my short answer is yes. Any team, no matter what they give up, if they get a franchise quarterback, it was worth the price. Yeah, I got to agree with that. You got to do whatever it takes to get your guy. If you think, you know, if you think that he's the one, you go out and get there. I just don't know if I go up Minka Fitzpatrick. That would hurt a lot. Charles Harris, just sick. You can get rid of them. But Minka, Minka, that would sting a little bit. I hear you. But, you know, it's all about the quarterback, right? And it's it's obviously tough for us right now to talk about anything with the draft and what kind of quarterback the Dolphins will be looking for because we don't know who the head coach is. We don't know who the GM is. We don't know if there's going to be a VP of football ops. We just don't know right now, and a lot of that's we don't, to play And out. we don't know how many quarterbacks are going to be available. That's Seems like they're too. dropping, you know, like we only have two really marquee guys that we're even talking about right now, right. and one Not of everyone. which we don't even know is going to come out. Not everyone has declared yet either, so there's still questions. Kyler Murray hasn't even declared yet, so we don't know for sure whether or not he's going to come out or not. And we all know draft season, uh, quarterbacks will start you know, getting the attention of the media, and things will change as, as we move forward. So we're going to talk about the draft and all that in a, several weeks once the whole situation with the Dolphins has shaken out. Going into Sunday against the Buffalo Bills, and this is a very hot topic, and this isn't going to be a long show we're going to wrap up with because we know we're going to be busy next week with firings and hirings and interviews and all that kind of good stuff. This is a polarizing topic. Should the Miami Dolphins, not should they lose, because no athlete's going to go out there and try to lose the game. No coach is going to go out there and try to lose the game. No competitor is going to go out there and try to lose the game. But is it in the best interest of the Miami Dolphins organization and the fans? Because at the end of the day, unless we're sitting in that stadium making lots of noise, we don't have a control over the game sitting on our sofa. Unless you're sitting a certain way or wearing a certain outfit, then you do, of course. But is it in the best interest for the Dolphins to lose on Sunday against the Bills side? Let's look at this like if we were playing the New England Patriots, I'd say we try to win because we've seen the butterfly effect that beating New England late and taking home field advantage away can have. We have no butterfly effect going against the Buffalo Bills, in my opinion. Okay, so I don't really think we have any other type of intangibles to work towards for this particular NFL season. With that being said, I think it's in the best organization standpoint to lose. And what I'll say to the fans who are have that salt rubbed in the wound already by me saying that is screw your pride. Take the Marcellus Wallace from Pulp Fiction standpoint. Screw pride. It's just pain messing with you, okay? We've been through a lot as a Dolphins fan base. What is losing one game to mean – when it means that we have, A, a better draft pick, so let me boil that down. We have more players to choose from. I think that's a good thing, okay? You can chalk up draft picks to luck all you want, but we're going to have more players to choose from, A. And, B, if we are looking at bringing in a new coach, that person might want to bring in a new quarterback. And if we want to bring in a new quarterback – Chances are we're going to need a higher pick so we have better draft capital so we can move up 
to get said quarterback. So I don't see any benefit to the organization to win. With that being said, as a fan watching the game, I'm going to root for this game like I would any other game and hope that we win. But if we lose, it's not going to bother me in the slightest. Yeah, and that's what a lot of people need to realize. You know, if you go on Twitter and you say this exact thing, how you want to see the Dolphins, how you think it's in the best interest that they lose, people would try to hang you, you know? It would be crazy the kind of backlash you'd receive from the fan base. But absolutely, 100%, if you don't think Adam Gase is the guy losing to the Buffalo Bills is in this franchise's best interest, uh, if you want to see a complete clean sweep at the top, you know, you want to see a new – VPGM coach. I, I think that is what is in this franchise's best interest for the future. So if you're asking me if I'm going to sit there and like Sutton, I'm not going to be rooting for the Bills. I'm going to be sitting there rooting for the Dolphins as I would any Sunday. But when the, at the end of the day, if they go out there and do what the Miami Dolphins are expected to do and go up there and lose to a Buffalo team that came down and beat this juggernaut at home and fell within a Charles Clay t- catch short of beating the Dolphins on their home turf. If you don't think that the Bills are going to go out there, and there's a very good chance they're going to hand us our ass either way. So if that does happen, don't sit there, don't fret. Yes, the season's over, but there are bigger things coming in 2019. And if they get blown out in Buffalo, which, again, I don't know how Buffalo's offense is terrible, but the Dolphins will find a way to possibly get blown out in Buffalo. It is in the best interest of this franchise moving forward. Like both of you, I will be sitting there on Sunday rooting for the Dolphins, right? But if they lose and if they seem to be down a lot early in the game, I'm not going to be upset. It's, they can draft as high as 10 if everything plays out right now. There has to be a lot to play out right for them to draft 10. And I think they can draft as low as 15 or 16, possibly 17 that far down. More than likely, if they lose, they'll probably be drafting 13 or 12. And the people say... Well, it's easier to move up to the top spot of the draft or the top few spots to get your quarterback if you're in the top 10. We've seen, though, the Chiefs move all the way up. It's just more draft capital you have to give up and so forth. And again, we talked about Adam Gase needs to win this game to have a decent chance of keeping his job. It's just all backwards. So I wish, you know, not that Ross would come out and say, uh, you know, I don't know. I think Ross is in a no-win situation right now. Because he has one eye on other candidates and one eye on making sure that Adam Gase gets his team out on the field and is doing all the right things. Um, I don't envy Stephen Ross right now because if he fires Adam Gase, it's admitting another mistake. It is uh, you know, eating another two years of his contract. And Adam Gase's contract has never become public. We don't know how much it's worth. I'm sure it's worth towards the top of the league in terms of possibly 8 to $10 million a year. So he would be eating a nice chunk of change uh, again after firing Jill Fo- Joe Philbin um, and then firing Tony Sperano after he took over his owner after his first season there. So, you know, if they do fire Adam Gase, where do they go from here? Who is out there? And do you think if Adam Gase was on the market, would a team in need of a head coach snatch him up? And would you think or would you be afraid of him succeeding? There was a report from Albert Breer that the Cleveland Browns were looking at Adam Gase and monitoring the situation as well as other teams. You know, I sit here and I have been on the fire Adam Gase bandwagon for a few weeks now, but I'm not going to lie. If he ended up with the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield, I think he would have a ton of success. And then if I'm thinking that, then I'm thinking, why are the Dolphins giving up on him? Let him get his quarterback. I don't know if you guys feel any different about that. 
It's a it's an interesting topic, and we've discussed the Peter Principle a lot, and basically we're just talking about the the coordinators who end up being head coaches and the coordinators who just end up being really good coordinators and that's all they end up being. And there's nothing wrong with that. You just, it takes some time to figure out where that totem pole shakes out and you can absolutely see Adam Gase in an offensive coordinator situation. You know, he has his play calling. He's already doubled down on that. He'd be working with a, an already proven young quarterback I think you'd have to be really excited about that as a Browns fan if you had Adam Gase come in as an offensive coordinator. Coming in as a head coach, I would have much more of a lukewarm response. Obviously, I can't separate my own bias from that. But in a coordinator setting, I would be absolutely thrilled having Adam Gase on my side. Yeah, and I think there's no doubt in my mind that Adam Gase will be a successful NFL head coach. I'm still... In my heart, don't believe the Dolphins will end up moving on from him and giving him that one last chance in 2019. But, you know, maybe we shouldn't be talking about getting rid of Gase. Maybe we should start talking about trading him if, you know, the, the Browns really do have interest <laughs> or one of these other teams. Let's let's get a pick out of it and get our quarterback. But, honestly, if you went to Cleveland to play with Jarvis Landry and had, had Baker Mayfield, I mean, I, I'd be pissed because that was my envision for the Dolphins all along. Hey, if the Browns will give up a second rounder, basically, for Brock Osweiler to – sit around and then release them for a pick, then I, I can't imagine what they give up for these, maybe two first-rounders. I mean, deal. <laughs> it's a tough situation because even us sitting here talking about it, it's like, all right, would you move on from him? Would you trade him? Would you do this? Would you do that? Again, it's not a situation that I want to be in, and Stephen Ross has a huge decision to make for this franchise. He is 78 years old. Remember, folks, is he going to want to sit here for another two, three years and watch this team rebuild itself? Or is he going to want to stay the course, have Gase hitch himself to a quarterback that he likes and that he loves, and then hopefully work his magic? Because, again, you could say if he had a better quarterback, if he didn't have these injuries, he would have beaten the Packers probably. He would have beaten the Colts. He maybe probably would have beaten the Lions if Albert Wilson didn't get hurt. But then on the other hand, you say, well, why didn't he – adjust for Laramie Tunsil when he went down in the Bengals game because he probably should have won that game too if it wasn't for that injury. And it's just, it's a very hard situation to decipher. It's not like there's a black and white area where you say, yes, you need to move on from him or no, you do not need to move on from him. Any last thoughts as we head into the final game of the Miami Dolphins regular season? It seems like it just started, it's ending, and we're all just done with it, even though we'll all be begging for it in just a few weeks. All right, Matt, we're in this weird existential crunch between being disappointed with the Jacksonville game, and then we have Black Monday coming up here fairly soon. And yeah, we may not have all the answers right on Monday, but soon thereafter, I think we'll, we'll see the picture unfold. We have one game of the regular season left before our season's over, and then we go into draft season. So I think everybody is just like, how am I supposed to feel about anything? I just think everybody's just a little bit um, torn. Yeah, I think we're all just ready to have this, in a way, see the season end. But honestly, for as much as this heartbreak this team gives us and, you know, the ups and downs throughout the season – as soon as that first weekend comes out, Dolphins football, we're all going to be heartbroken and yearning for more. So try to enjoy this game on Sunday, and let's just hope better things are to come because we love this team and we want to see them do big things. We will see what the Dolphins do on Sunday versus the Buffalo Bills. 
Will we find out Adam Gase's future before we hit the airwaves again next week? Or will we be back with you still wondering what's going on? One thing is for sure, Mike Tannenbaum more than likely on his way out after the game against the Buffalo Bills. It's a defining time for the Miami Dolphins franchise. It's a turning point. They're at a crossroads. What will they do? For Aaron Sutton and Joshua Houts, I am Matt Kanata. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio. We will talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Everybody, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Fultron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.